putting all things under their authority. The flocks and the herds, and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean current. O oh Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills all of the earth. Amen. Our Lord, our God, how excellent is thy name in all of you. There is in our Oh, we just thank you, Lord, first of all, for being you all. Thank you, Lord, for looking out for us and the old The beginning and the ending, what was and is and is to come. He is ever a matching God, and there is none of us. Lord, you, but you, Lord. Lord, we come from the Father here to have it together Worship you, Father God. We give you praise and honor as you celebrate 144 years. While sometimes it jumps up and sometimes it's down, sometimes it's quick, Heavenly Father. Do it all you can. We sustain this, Heavenly Father, all we can. Father, we ask you right now, Father. Let there be song that will be sung. Let there be prayer that will be prayed. Let the gospel of Jesus Christ be willing to go forth and it changes us from the inside out of the world.
to our, our message ceremony, man, Pastor Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. Praise the Lord. We made it to the house of worship one more time. The word said, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and get started here. We're going to have the church, Zion Church history by our own brother Frank Turner. Amen. Brother Turner, come on down. Thank you, Brother Price. Greetings in the name of the Lord. All the glory and the special occasion this afternoon belongs to him. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, everybody. Or good afternoon. I, uh, you know, I just standing up here. It felt good. I had the choir sing. Brother Philip, there was two nice songs. It's uplifting. So we feel like we should be happy this afternoon. And I just feel good by trying to bring you the history of Zion Baptist Church. So simply shall we start? You just give me a minute. I'll be starting. Mrs. Patsy Mrs. Emma Butler organized the church in 1879 with just a few followers in a home on Green Street. The next place of worship was in a small room in the downtown post office building, better known then as the Putter Putterball Building. Some new, uh, no, some, um, new events were about to happen here. April 4th, 1880, the corporate, corporate name of Design Baptist Church was adopted. One day later, in 1885, and three deacons signed and sworn into uh, sworn into sworn into law the official name of Design Baptist Church. Jerry Webb, Benjamin Early, and Abraham Carver were the deacons, along with the uh, along with the other deacons. The now membership of the of the uh, 
what the membership of Design Baptist Church was now starting to grow. A new building was being built and dedicated ever since 1882, and that building would stand and be worshiping for the next 13 years. Later in the life of Zion Baptist Church, the second episode, a brick episode, would be built and dedicated in 1895 and would stand for the next 69 years at the corner of 7th and State, now known as Martin Luther King Drive. Zion will soon have the share of untimely events. A split in the church took place in 1925 under, under Reverend Weaver. The second split took place in the church under, under J.A. Perry. From these two divisions, pastors with some followers, two churches was formed and into the city, and they took their own names. It should be mentioned at this time that the cornerstone for the brick of the second effort is still here at the northeast corner of this church. Zion Baptist Church maintains its name, and it's the oldest church in the Peoria area. At the early time, now at the early time, the church was starting to be challenged. A newspaper article stated in the newspaper, uh, May 22, 1943, that the search of records found no revealing changes in its name. It was Zion Baptist Church then, and it's Zion Baptist Church now. Through 1960, 1962, into 1964, the old brick church is being torn down now and making way for a new church to be built in 1964 and dedicated in 1965. We worship in this building as we stand this afternoon for 59 years. A number of pastors has been called to lead this church, 33 in all, to grace the pulpits. As, a, as some of the pastors, now, as some of the pastors in recent years have longevity more time than others. Pastor Robert McCoy, 14 years. Pastor Phil Brand, 15 years. Pastor Donaldson, 10 years in the old Premier Church. At this present time, Pastor Samuel Duran, a senior pastor and the 33rd pastor, and also the second youngest pastor to lead Zion, is now serving his 16th year in Zion Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. As far as I found it, Mrs. Butler, Mrs. Emily Butler, much has been known about her, but little has always been said about her. On March 26, 1885, I keep putting 19 in here, 1895, she passed away at the age of 55 years old. Three days, three months, and 22 days after, July 22, 1895, the cornerstone for the second effort was laid. She did not live to see all the riches of her fruits, but she left her legacy, enabling us to worship in this house. To our pastors, Reverend Dern, to our First Lady, Sister Stacy, and to all of our guests and to my audience, this is the conclusion of this year's presentation. I do thank you for listening, and as always, it's been my pleasure to bring you the history of Zion Baptist Church.
Thank you, Mr. Turner, for bringing the history of Zion Baptist Church. We're going to have some selections by the Inspirational Choir, and then we'll have about Zion Church history by Jojo Walker. Amen.
coming down the hill on my best sled in the block. So, you know, I uh, feel kind of good coming back to Zion. Uh, I'm going to start reading you our, our history. Uh, I'm going to tell you before I get started, see, this is the real deal. <laughs> Y'all didn't want to hear all that. I'm so glad they cut it down. <laughs> Uh, our church, Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church, was organized on April the 27th, 1879, in the home of Mrs. Emma Brown, with a few faithful believers in Christ who were holding regular prayer meetings. After growing in number in just a year, they relocated on April the 4th, 1880, to the basement of the Peoria Post Office, located at the northeast corner of Main and Monroe Streets of downtown Peoria. Two preachers, Reverend Harris and Reverend Tyler, assisted with worship services. Here, the corporate name of Zion Baptist Church was adopted. Gathering more strength and greater numbers, the church moved to the corner of 7th and State Streets. During this time, and at this location, the church was recognized in the community. Under Reverend Archie Ward as pastor, the church was dedicated as a charter. In 1895, a brick church building was built on State and 7th Streets for the ever-increasing membership under Reverend S.W. Anderson. Reverend D.N. Morrell, a graduate of University of Illinois and an aggressive young minister, obtained the deed for the property and gave the church a more business atmosphere. Later, while under the leadership of Reverend T.W. Penwick, Penick, I'm sorry, the debt was cleared and the mortgage burnt. On Sunday, March the 8th, 1925, Zion Baptist Church split. Some members remained at the 7th and State Street location, while others followed Reverend L.A. Weaver to the newly formed Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church formerly the Plymouth Congregation House of Worship. Between the years 1926 and 1930, during the pastorate of Reverend J. Haley, the church made semi-annual payments of $800 for the purchase of the brick church building located on 4th and Spencer. I've always, you know, 4th and Spencer. I was raised 4th and Spencer, 7th and State. Whatever, call it how you want to call it. <laughs> 
the church called Reverend M.D. Dixon the pastor in 1930. Reverend Dixon cast a giant shadow among preachers of that time, and Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church was the hub of state and national activities in Illinois. He served faithfully to his death in 1958. In January 1958, one of the greatest and most gifted scholarly preachers in black America, the Reverend Dr. R. Wendell Phillips, assumed the pastorate of the church. Under his leadership, the church remodeled, reorganized, and set in motion the membership growth once again. Unfortunately, during the early morning hours of January 15, 1973, the building on 4th and Spencer burned to the ground. A temporary site was quickly offered for worship by the Bradley Epworth Methodist Church. November 1974, Reverend Alfonso Lyons Jr. was called to be the pastor. He remained pastor until his death in September 21, 2021. In June 1975, another temporary site located at 6 and Goodwin Streets was offered by Reverend Jack Deadweiler, a Pentecostal minister. The members of Mount Zion launched a fundraise fund drive from July, November 1975, raising close to $30,000, which helped purchase the current location. The cornerstone was laid with items of memorabilia behind it for education and interest of future generations. Under the pastorate of Reverend Lyons, educational development of the church has fostered attendance at local, state, and national conventions. Reverend Lyons has been elected to many positions in local and state districts. Over the past two decades, Mount Zion has been a supportive and stable member of the community. Many things and events have been added and accomplished that have met both the physical and spiritual needs of its members and the surrounding community. We are committed every day to continue to work for the kingdom of God today and the generations to come. Uh, this morning I read another part I was just told to cut it down, so I don't know how I'm going to cut it down real quick. But in 2001, Pastor Lyons helped the church to form its own 501c3 organization called MITEC. And it stands for Mount Zion's Effort to Equip the Community. The program accelerated in 2003 under the leadership of Mrs. Cheryl Boswell, her staff, and board of directors. MITEC is currently located at 2605 West Krause. The business has evolved into a housing counseling resource center and a HUD-approved counseling agency. Credit counseling and budgeting is also provided. They also do taxes free, y'all. Anyway, MITEC has provided housing fairs, job fairs, financial planning workshops, anti-predatory payday lending programs, sponsored annual dinners. I think that's where they want me to just be quiet. Anyway, MITEC played a significant role in foreclosure legislation, and uh, we're kind of proud of MITEC. We're proud of our pastor. We're proud of everything that he has done in the, in the uh, community. And uh, thank you all for inviting me.
want to thank Sister Walker for giving us the church history of Mount Zion. It's good to know your history. Amen, amen. We have the introduction of the speaker by Pastor uh, Durin, and then we're going to have another selection by the Inspirational Choir, and then the message by Pastor Deborah Hubbard. Amen. 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 It's my humble pleasure, amen, to present to many, introduce to others. Uh, some of y'all may not know, but it, 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 it's updating the program, but it's just say the pastor, Reverend Doctor. Deborah, amen. Oh, Hubbard, amen. Um, I want y'all to know, some of y'all know, but that y'all need a little secret. He back home, y'all. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm humble to introduce Pastor Hubbard. He's my mentor. Uh, he's my pastor. Uh, when I was a youth here, uh, he was my youth pastor. Uh, he helped me grow and mature uh, in Christ. And so it's truly a blessing to see what God did in him here. And for God to bless him to go to pastor St. Paul Baptist Church. Amen. Amen. And for us to see the work of God happening him and uh, using him there in St. Paul uh, from, from their block on, on Nebraska to their block now on Forest Hill. Uh, they just expanded their territory of influence, of ministry, and service. And so we thank God for uh, Pastor Hubbard, his lovely wife, Sister Christy, amen, for they too were formational. Uh, and a lot of the youth and the children here at Zion, when they were here as members before they were called to partner in ministry with St. Paul. And so we just thank God for him coming here uh, to preach a word for us, amen. And so I just need y'all to help encourage the preacher, amen. So, so if you can reach your hand towards Pastor Hubbard. Amen. And just say, preach the word. Say, preach the word. Now, now, this last part, you got to say, preach the word, dot. Preach the word, dot. Amen. So after this, praise the choir. Amen. We're going to be celebrating encouraged by Pastor Hubbard coming forward. Amen.
so for you as well, you are part of our journey. Uh, and we say thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you continue to do uh, in Peoria and uh, how God is blessing. And we're praying and trusting God with you for your next leader. Amen. 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 Well, let me, it's uh, what it is. So, <laughs> let, me, let me jump on this thing and let me get out of here. Um, just to, to set the mood, him of preparation, if that's all right. All right. Father, I stretch my hands to
has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. You may be seated. In the book entitled Mission Driven by Peter Greer and Chris Force, he writes about the importance of mission. He says, consider the mission statement of a well-known university, which at the time said to be plainly instructed and consider well that the main end of your life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ. Founded in 1636, this university employed exclusively Christian professors who emphasized character formation in its students and rooted all of its policies and practices in a Christian worldview. This school served as a bastion of academic excellence and Christian distinction. The mission statement, however, is not from Dallas Theological Seminary. Neither is it from the Moody Bible Institute, nor is it from Wheaton Bible College. It's from Harvard University. This statement described their founding mission. Harvard began as a school to equip ministers to share the good news. Only 80 years after the founding of Harvard's identity, it was shifting. A group of New England pastors sensed that Harvard had drifted too far for their liking. Concerned about the secularization at Harvard, they founded a new stronghold of Christian higher education in 1701. Clergyman Cotton Mather approached a wealthy philanthropist who shared their concerns. This man, Elihu Yale, financed their efforts in 1718, and they named the college after him the institution today known as Yale University. Yale's motto was not just veritas, which is truth, like Harvard, but lux et veritas, light and truth. These pastors hoped to avoid the drift they saw at Harvard. But today, neither Harvard nor Yale resembles the universities that their founders envisioned. At the 350th anniversary celebration of Harvard, Stephen Muller, former president of John Hopkins University, didn't mince words. He said, and I quote, the bad news is the university has become godless. The author goes on to say, our contention is not with the institutions. They are not. Their founders were unmistakably clear in their goals academic excellence, and Christian formation. Today, they do something very different from their founding purpose. What happened to Harvard and Yale is the reality of mission drift. He says, and it can happen to us. Any organization can succumb to mission drift. And 
One of the ways to avoid succumbing to mission drift is to constantly review the mission and make sure that we align all of our activities with it. Today, I just want to, for a few moments, to challenge us to review the mission. Because the reality today is that even though Zion and Mount Zion at one time were one, there was a mission before the founding of Zion and Mount Zion. The mission was given a long time ago, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was very clear about his mission statement. So today, for a few moments, I want to encourage us to review the mission so that we can be clear on what Jesus said. In hopes that if we're clear on what Jesus said, we can all commit to that. And even if we don't commit to that, at least we'll know we're doing something other than what Jesus said. So look at the mission. Jesus begins talking to his disciples after the resurrection and says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Don't rush. Take a moment. Do you see it? A part of the clear mission that Jesus gives his disciples is for them to understand that what he's calling them to is submission to his authority. Acknowledgement that not just some authority, but all authority. Not just on earth, but in heaven and on earth, within his hands. Not even their hands, but it's in his hands. And if we're going to review the mission, I think it's important for us to be reminded and maybe reconsider this whole notion and idea that we operate under the authority of Jesus the Christ. For some people, that's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing for us to acknowledge that we operate under the authority of Jesus the Christ. When we understand that we operate under the authority of Jesus Christ, we recognize that there is no authority that is above Jesus Christ. Since there is no authority that is above Jesus Christ, there is no authority that is greater than Jesus the Christ. So when we operate in the authority of Jesus, we really operate in some kind of authority. Because Jesus has all authority in heaven and in earth. Jesus has the power, the right to do what he desires to do through his people. And a part of the mission is just to review and understand that we operate under his authority. I think sometimes we lose sight of it as the church, that we operate under the authority of Jesus. Because sometimes we operate and pray like chumps. We operate as though we are not under the authority of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We operate as though we are not under the authority of the one who holds the world together. We operate as though we are not under the authority of the one who has defeated death, Satan, and the grave. We operate as though we are not under the authority of Jesus the Christ. And when we understand that we're under the authority of Jesus the Christ, I think we ought to pray. I think we ought to pray some powerful prayers. Why? Because he got all authority. There is nothing that he cannot do. With God, all things are possible. 
we understand that we're under His authority. And I know that some of us got this struggle. But I just want to help us by reminding us that we're under His authority. And because we're under His authority, can I challenge you? Can I encourage you? Stop playing it safe. I'm so glad St. Paul here. And I go back and I I say, y'all, we're going to do some bold stuff. They say, we heard you say, stop playing safe. <laughs> well, because we operate under his authority. Stop operating in our comfort zone. Step outside of our comfort zone. Why? Because we operate under his authority. Nothing can happen to us unless he allows it to happen to us. Satan has to get permission to mess with us because we operate under his authority. I just want to encourage us to review the mission because Jesus begins with reminding them whose authority they're getting ready to operate under. In hopes that it would embolden them for the rest of the mission. He doesn't stop there. He says, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I know you all have been taught at Zion because I know pastor studies and he works hard do the research and the work. Uh, but you do know there's only one verb in this verse. And to make disciples. It's not going. It's not baptizing. It's not teaching. Those are participles. The verb in this verse is make disciples. The action is devoted to making disciples. Why, why would we need to be reminded that Jesus as a part of the mission has called us to discipleship? We may need to be reminded because in our church lives, we settle for membership. We just want to make good money. If y'all just show up and pay your offer, we're happy with you. We're happy with you. We're happy with you. We do want you to show up and pay your offer. But the goal is not membership. The goal is not for you to be on the road. The goal is not for you to be on the list. The goal is not even for you to sit in a seat. But the goal is for you to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The goal is for you to learn him, to understand him, to imitate him, to talk like him, to walk like him, to serve like him, to love like him, to be available to people like him. That's the goal, to make disciples. And maybe the problem that we're having with the mission of the church is we've settled for membership. We need to make it harder when people come in. We need to stop saying what we want to say and tell them what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you need to take up your cross, deny yourself, and fear Follow me. He said, if you don't follow me, you got to be willing to forsake your mama and forsake your daddy and forsake your spouse and forsake your I want to hear about the Sunday school curriculum. I want to know what does Jesus say and how are you living it? And while I'm out there, let me just say that discipleship is all life or life. Can I leave in just a minute? Discipleship occurs in life, not in classroom. You can't show me how to live like Jesus in the classroom. You can tell me what Jesus said, but after I heard you, I still don't know what to do with it. 
So after you tell me what Jesus said, can you show me what you did so now I can do what you taught me with what you showed me and then I can go live it? Don't that sound like what Jesus did? He taught his disciples and then he showed his disciples so they could see what it looked like for teaching to be lived out. And that's what we should have Some of y'all got quiet. Because if the preference is membership or discipleship, if we were honest, most of us would choose membership. Membership is safe. Membership is more convenient. Membership doesn't require me to change. I can come in a book and say a book. But with discipleship, oh, no, I got to change. I got to change the way I think. I got to change the way I operate. I got to change the way I deal with people in relationships. I got to resolve conflict. I got to love you whether I like you or not. It's not about whether I like you or not. I've been commanded to love you. See, discipleship has a whole other level of expectation. And a part of the mission trip for us is we've been emphasizing maybe membership more than discipleship. Which is why we got a whole bunch of lukewarm church members. Because we signed them up to commit to the church and not to Jesus. When you committed to the church, when the church changed, you changed. But when you committed to Jesus, you don't care what the church is because you know that Jesus is coming. You know even when the church changed, Jesus still died for you. Jesus still rose for you. Jesus still lives for you. Jesus still sent his Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you. He's still making intercession at the right hand of the Father on your behalf. He's still coming back. Because you know what Jesus did. You don't care what the church did. And he starts saying, well, I know they ain't acting like, but Jesus still good. Jesus still the same. And I'm going to keep on going and doing my part because Jesus knows. And Jesus is good. If you're doing our focus, your father is a return to discipleship and an abandonment of membership. Go and make disciples of all nations, ethnic groups. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to renew our focus on the mission. Maybe we need to make sure that we renew a commitment to monotheism. Is that all right? One God. We do serve one God. God. You do know that, right? One. Baptizing in the name. Not names. In the singular name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God. who somehow exists as a Godhead. And in the Godhead, they somehow have separate personalities and functions and responsibilities. I don't understand it, but I believe it because he said but maybe we need to re- renew our commitment to this idea of us having one God because within the life of the church, we've slipped up a bit. We've embraced sometimes, even in our conversation, polytheism. Our God is one of many gods we serve. Y'all got to You know, you got God and Bradford. He's just one minute. He's one minute. You pull God out when he's convenient. And when he's not convenient, you get you another God that you think 
might be committed. Maybe we need to renew our commitment to, to monotheism because, because some of us have, have abandoned not only monotheism, but, but some of us have embraced pantheism. God is in everything. He's, he, he's in the trees. He's, he's in you. He's in, he's in me. He's, he's not separate from his creation and over and above his creation. He's a part of his creation and he's with all of us and in all of us and we all are God. Y'all looking at me straight. But if you listen to us sometimes, you wonder, are we talking about the God of the scriptures? Are we talking about, you know God, you know God in everything. Is he? No, God ain't in everything. He made everything, but he's not in everything. Right? Or, or maybe, maybe, just maybe, we've abandoned monotheism or syncretism. Syncretism is when we take God and we take a little bit of this and we take a little bit of that and we take a little bit of that and we take a little bit of this and we take a little bit of that and we bring it all together. We say, we got God, but then we got this other stuff. So we got God, we're going to come to church for watch meeting, but, but on the first day of the year, before we do anything, we're going to make sure we got some happy. And a man got to come through the door first. We're going we to make sure we do all of that. Why? Because we, we, we got God and some other stuff. We got God and some luck that we use. And we got, we got God and some crystals that we're playing to. We got, we got God and some spiritualism. We, we bring up some Africanism, African spiritualism. And we, we make it all a part of the God that we serve. But that's not what Jesus says is the mission. He's just baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is one God, Father of all, who is above all, and in you all, and with you all. The scripture is clear that we serve one God. Maybe the challenge of us saying we should focus is that we drifted away from our commitment to our one God. Sometimes I'm in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, and teaches them to observe everything I have commanded with you. Part of the mission is to teach people to live what Jesus said. It's transformation, not information. It's transformation. Not stimulation. I'm offended sometimes. Offended. Not for me, but for others. When I ask, well, how the preacher preach? What's the preacher preach? I don't know what the preacher preach. The preacher preach is stirred. You shout. They come at you with their own sheep. But you don't know what the preacher's saying. So what stimulated you? Was it the elevation of the voice? And the tone that the speaker used? Was it the lifting of the leg and the turning of the ear? What was it that stimulated you? If it didn't lead to transformation. He says, we got, we got to teach people that, that the goal of learning is to apply. So, so sometimes, well, you know, like, how about you, you just, you just, you, you, you preaching that, that same old book again. 
You just you just drinking them same old stories, but when you apply this one, I'll move on to another. That'll be our deal. We don't preach it until we apply it. Once we apply it, then we move on. Why? Because it's teaching to observe, to do, to apply, to live. Because we no longer expect people to live the book. We don't expect people to actually live the book. You quote what Jesus said, well, yeah, yeah, I know, but we're living in a real world. What world was Jesus living in? You know, we talking about we talking about we talking about real life. We ain't talking about back in the day stuff. No, his word is true. It remains true. It's still good for sound doctrine. It's still good for correction. It's still good for reproof. Right? It's still good for instruction and righteousness. His word is still good. So so why won't we hold ourselves accountable to the word? Things like holiness. I know we Baptists, but you know what's in there, right? Holiness is in the book, y'all. It's in the book that we are to live set apart lives for the glory of God. Not lives where we blend in, but lives where we set apart, where we stand out because we're followers of Jesus Christ. It's in the book, y'all. And because it's in the book, Jesus expects us to observe it. But maybe we drifted from the mission because we talked to you. You really ain't got to. Just do the main stuff. Just do the, just do the main stuff. And then you get variations on what's the main stuff? Right? If we don't pick the main stuff, what's, what's the main stuff? Well, good. Okay, let's go to love God with everything and love your neighbor. Let's go there. If we go there, please know that that covers everything in the book. So maybe we drift because there is such a low expectation of a lifestyle that is pleasing and honoring. You can live like hell in the church. And nobody will say anything. What kind of community of Jesus is that? Mission. See, the beauty of the community of faith is that we're to encourage one another. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you're jacked up. I'm jacked up too, but Jesus can help. Amen. 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 I know you get weak. I get weak too, but the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. Yeah. You do know He says we are more than conquerors. You do know He says that we are victorious in Him. Come on, let's, let's talk the book. Right? But we encourage each other. Not lower the standard and allow us to do whatever we want to do. And he says, when y'all do that, I wish. I know some of y'all already said, I did not come for this. (laughs) Since I'm already out there, let me just get this last look. He says, when you do that, lo, I'm with you. We want to be honest. Just as the scripture declared, 
that God left the nation of Israel. God was not with me, and I didn't know it. I didn't know it. Some of our buildings, Jesus has left. He's not with us in what we're doing. Because he's not doing what he told us to do. He loves us, so he's committed to us. He loves us, so he's praying for us. He loves us, so he's intervening on our behalf, interceding on our behalf. He said, no, I am part of this foolishness. I'm going to give him grace, God. We're just going to work with him. Somebody won't get him back on track. Somebody will help him refocus, God. Just, just be patient, be patient, be patient, be patient. And, and we don't like to talk about it. But we, we've encountered it. I'm not like, I don't know, I don't know, Jesus. I don't know. You go and you don't never feel his presence. He says, Lord, I'm with you. Yeah. When? Always. Yeah, well, Even to the end of age. Jesus committed to his mission. Yeah, yeah. Not ours. Come on, so here's my, my challenge to us as we celebrate 144 years. I pray that whoever's here for the next 144 years, but I won't be here. We celebrate the fact that we have a renewal constantly to the mission. We celebrate the fact that there were constant seasons where in each of our churches we raised the question are we doing what Jesus said? And when we gather, we ask ourselves, are we doing what Jesus said? And then somebody in the crowd has the audacity to say, and if we're not doing what Jesus said, what are we doing? Yeah. And if we're not going to do what Jesus said, I can go to the Alps. I can spend all my money and my energy on my fraternity or, or my sorority or whatever, right? If we're not going to do what Jesus said, there's a whole bunch of other stuff I can be doing. Then somebody would have done that. Can we please do what Jesus said? So here's my question. Now, Zion, Zion, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Hey, Paul, how we doing? I'm going to ask the question broadly. How we doing? I'm not not asking for an affirmation in the afternoon because we're programmed to say amen. I'm asking. Let's then honestly evaluate. Are we doing what I just read? Are we just having church? And if we're not doing what I just read, please, somebody, when you gather together again, as a leadership and as a membership, can somebody say, I think we're directed? They don't like you. But it's alright. Could you speak it up for Jesus? Mm-hmm. So I want to pray this afternoon that we would have boldness to give our commission of Jesus. And we would have boldness to devote money to the mission of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That we would have boldness and courage to devote ourselves to the mission of Jesus. That we would give more energy 
to making disciples, helping them to understand what they committed to, and teaching them to observe who he is. More energy to that than any days, especially these. I want to pray for that. So we bow together this afternoon. Daddy, thank you so much for your word. Jesus, thank you for the mission. Thank you for your promise that you would be with us and your expectation was that we would obey you. Jesus, we're so glad that you never give up on the church. We're an ugly black bride, but there's still going to be a wedding. You know, we break your heart sometimes, but we thank you for your commitment to us. So love us into spaces where we'll just surrender our agenda to your agenda. Remind us that we operate under the authority of Jesus the Christ. Remind us that our focus is on making disciples, not members. Remind us that we serve one God, this is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Remind us, oh God, that, that our objective is to help people live out what you said. When we've gotten off track, we ask for forgiveness. And we ask you to help to get back on track. And as we get back on track, I pray, God, you have been blessed like never before. I pray like never before. People would give their lives to Jesus Christ. I pray that there will be more baptisms because we're on mission. I pray like never before that marriages would strengthened, that singles would be encouraged, that people who are broken and wounded and God would be healed and restored. I pray like never before, God, that our young men and young women, God, who are picking up guns, would lay them down because we offer our hope in Jesus the Christ. We trust you to do what only you can do. Lord, it would only be you, Lord. So we glorify the God prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Being all out of the ministry of Right now, and our spirit is moving on the ministry today. Now, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've heard the message come forth, that you want to know what it means to be changed, to know the power of the Spirit. And we just want to pray this prayer with you right where you are. Right now, just close your eyes and bow your head. Amen. Uh, Father, Lord, I pray. There's someone out there, Lord, they can just say this, Lord. Lord, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. You defeated death. 
rose from the grave on the third day. That you do have all power on earth and in heaven. And I believe you are my Lord and my Savior. And I want to give my life to you. I surrender to you. I want to live with you. Just do everything out of the hospital. You pray that prayer for the first time. Just raise your hand right where you are. God bless you. 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 For what our ears have heard and our eyes have seen, the burn within our heart of your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the confidence we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is mighty to save. Amen. Amen. We may open your eyes. Amen. No one raise their hands, so amen. If you know the Lord, you love the Lord, just raise your hand. Amen. That's what we take a check of. All right, there you go. Hands up. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm humbled um, to stand here to celebrate with Mount Zion uh, and Anne Zion to uh, our love for Pastor Lyons. Amen. Amen. Um, he is an awesome man of God. Um, the Sister Jojo was able to share, man, a great work. Um, part of his legacy I was going to share, so I'm going to say deal to that. Uh, to what Meetech did, and as Pastor Hubbard said, we started in the basement of Mount Zion. Uh, when I was a young minister, um, he was part of my ordination because he was our moderator. Now, this is something some of you people don't know. I've only preached two times. He calls me for my ordination. I figured they going to go a lot of I'm going to use you to preach with my youth pastor. For my youth, I'm going to my youth program. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Only preach twice. Pastor Lyons did not hear me preach. But he had so much confidence in my pastor, Pastor Brandon, that him and ordained, ordained me to pastor. He says, I know it's going to be all right, so I need you to come for my youth program. Now, some of y'all know me, but back then, I was a crazy kid. All right. This young man that came back from college had locks down to his shoulders. Wore cowboy boots every day with a big belt on And he let this kid come into his pulpit <laughs> and preach to all his kids in his church. Before you know, that's the kind of man he was that he poured us into. He built you up. He did that to our community. Many of us know the stories. He was a civil rights leader, community activist. I was in his basement being a registrar and being trained how to register. to register people to vote. What kind of pastor spend his time doing that? Pastor Lyons. I'm concerned about my community. If you don't vote, you have no voice. I learned that from Pastor Lyons. I'm a young man, so I'm pressing people to vote because Pastor Lyons invited me to his church. Come sit down here and get this registrar. That kind of a leadership. And many of you know he was an educator. If you went to his church, you will hear the word preach and teach. And he did not wait, he did not mix, he did not say anything that was not true. He didn't know he was a drug He never said anything out of turn with the mini meters for him. Y'all know he sat in the back. Everybody called him up front. He's in back in the back. His glasses on his forehead. Picking an afro. (laughs) 
He didn't care about pomp and circumstance, and that's how I got to hear to sit under him. To know that he became pastor around 25 years old, and to serve over 40 some years. Mm. We've been through the history, y'all. We know Zion been through a lot of pastors. Oh, now Zion and Zion, that's a whole lot of pastors. A lot of them had two year terms. Y'all remember? Before a pastor learns to pastor for that long, mm. go through so many ups and downs, but stay focused on his mission and his service. So I, I just want to close out and recognizing Pastor Lyons and saying this that when I think about Pastor Lyons, I think about his smile, his warmth, his tall stature, but yet he always made you feel as big as him when you came by him. He never made you feel small because he was so warm and affectionate. And I just want to close out as this is I want you to picture a tall man, six foot something, with a smile on his face, always as big as see his hair, always, a, you know, he wasn't raised, y'all. He still lived in the black salt pen, you know, right? He still had that pity. He got four hands out of the other hand. <laughs> and I was going to say, how he would greet you with love like this. Peace, brother, peace. I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Cross. Peace, brothers, peace.
<clears throat> Just real quick, we march on to say that uh, I didn't say this a part with Pastor Lyons, but Pastor Lyons, we discussed this a long time ago uh, of having a combined church anniversary. So I was, when I was blessed to become pastor, a lot of things you don't know as a member. When I became pastor, I said they celebrate the same anniversary. They said the same years. I'm gonna do it back. Like, hey, can we come together? So we talked about that because we both said, ain't nobody alive when they split. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't know what happened. But now you got to hear our history, right? And we got to hear your history. And I was blessed by Sister Jojo Walker sharing because I I because I was her weaver, but now I know who Weaver is. All right? And so we can see, so back in 1925, something happened between Weaver and Perry. Nobody tell us what happened. But look, we still here. And hallelujah. And then another thing, I grew up, as y'all grew up right here, family members go to the same church in different places. While well, we got Wilkinson, Gilkinson's here, we got Campbell's here, we got Walker's here, Dixon's here, right? Like, like they all families. <laughs> Somewhere in the family side, and some of y'all don't know up here, right? It was house. Everybody walked to church. So when it's split, right, the neighborhood split. <laughs> Seventh and State, right? Sanford, Munson, Globe Street, all those streets. Y'all know those streets. I don't know those streets. I just know those people that were sold. <laughs> and so I'm excited that this is my history. Many of us who are children grew up in this church, right? This is our history. And to know the giants that came out of our churches, that served the Carver Centers, serving the Urban League, serving the educators. We are blessed, y'all. We are blessed with the heritage that we have. And it's just a blessing. Uh, not too many churches have members that are 70, that have 70 plus years of service. We are churches that do. And we've been allowed that long. And the sad thing is that we know the longer you are, the more you burn. Amen. You know, we see it, but if you praise God for longevity, amen. And so I just want to say thank you, Mount Zion. Thank you, Zion, for all you all did to come together. And we don't know if this will be an annual thing or another time thing, but at least we know we can do it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we know we can do it. Amen. And our last to share with this in my remark is that, as Sister, Sister Walker said, this is home. One thing we realize that through United Usher Board, all the things, right? There's there is no strife between the two churches. We've always came together from, from Central District to Community Choir, whatever it is, we come together. Amen. So we're going to continue celebrating our embrace. Like we, we the only church that we can have fun with. But we know the history now, right? We got it all together. Somewhere down the line, next week, but we still here.
here in the name of the Lord. Father, can see and draw the glory to me and power for forever the wall. Sing together.